Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 10, the Halloween episode. People with Wii cards dare not enter! Welcome to the promised Halloween episode. Today's show, I'm going to talk about spooky games and then go into some detail about Elder Sign by Fantasy Flight. Before that, let me tell you what's been going on a little bit. First, before I forget to mention it yet again, next month, November, is the Solitaire Tabletop Gaming Month, I believe being sponsored by uh, Solo Nexus. Go to his blog and check it out. There's links on the One Player Podcast page. And uh, sign up to play something big for Solitaire Tabletop Gaming Month. I haven't signed up yet, but I will do something in the next couple days. Besides that, I haven't been playing too much getting ready for this episode, especially trying to get ready for the next episode, the RPG episode. That's not going along as well as I'd hoped. I'm not as far along into it as I should be by now. I've read the rules for the Mythic system. I like them. They're pretty cool. They make a lot of sense. And now I'm reading Mouse Guard rules, trying to make sense of those. So far, so good, but you know, it's feeling a little bit awkward. I haven't role-played in, gosh, about... 10 or 20 years now I guess so it's you know it's like putting on an old shirt to a party so I'm sure you haven't worn in 10 years and you know feeling slightly awkward and out of place in it but I'm plowing along plowing along through it looking forward to trying out the game I think it'll just be a little slower than I had hoped it would be anyway so that's been going on and haven't played much else really so let me go on into the Halloween stuff so to get ready for this show I went to BGG and went to, went ahead and searched for solitaire horror games, obviously enough. I found there's only about 90 of those, and about a third are ranked. Couldn't really come up with anything specific to focus on these or whatnot. But what I did see, I think about, there's two categories. There's the ones that try and take themselves relatively seriously, and the ones that are just tongue-in-cheek horror. Most of the tongue-in-cheek kind actually are unranked. All the, Most of the ranked ones seem to try and take themselves seriously, at least somewhat seriously. The serious ones, the semi-serious ones, include things like Arkham Horror and Ghost Stories, Elder Sign and Aliens, uh, Zombie in My Pockets. The tongue-in-cheek games include things like Cthulhu Mash, which I have experience with, and is actually not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. Zombie Hospital, Graveyard Dash... Um, what else is here? Zombie Basketball? Zombie Agogo? There seem to be a lot of zombie games. I think not just because they're popular, but also because they probably work better for solitaire players. It makes it a lot easier to figure out the movement for the enemy you're controlling and that sort of thing. Since their mind is always just going to move to the nearest living being. That's easy enough. But yeah, it's worth checking out the list. There's definitely some big titles in there, like I said. Arkham Horror, in which you're uh, in the city of Arkham, stopping great old ones from uh, coming to Earth, breaking through, I guess, through a, through a gate from another dimension or buried under the ocean. That's a good game. There's definitely a lot of tension in it as you're trying to race to close the gate and stuff keeps getting more challenging and more monsters start appearing and just making it harder for you. There's Ghost Stories. Which I've only played once. It wasn't solitaire game, 
and it was a few years ago, so I don't remember very well, but I do remember it being very tense. So what would make a good horror game? Let's see. Well, first, and, first of all, it has to have a strong theme. I don't think saving humanity from destruction is good. I think it has to be more personal than that. You're trying to run for your life, for example. Some slashers after you, or even zombies. Secondly, you have to feel like you're going to lose at any moment. The second you get caught, you're dead. So you probably never actually get to fight the monster. On the other hand, you have to always feel like you get chances to kind of catch up, maybe catch your breath. Like if you're like if you're running from a zombie or you're running from a slasher, you get a chance to slow down and breathe while the guy's lost looking for you in some marshes. But you know you only have a moment before you find your trail again. Then you gotta be running again. That would be really tense because you don't really know how much time you have and you need all the time you can get. That would be really cool. I don't know of any games like that. I haven't seen any. But I sure would like to find one. That would probably be a game that would creep me out because just knowing at any moment things can just go completely wrong. And at the same time always thinking that I have a chance of surviving. And again, it's it's more fun if it's personal as opposed to saving humanity. So a game like Arkham Horror where you're trying to stop the Elder Ones from entering through a gate and destroying Earth, eh, that's okay. Or ghost stories where you're saving a village from um, that evil, what's his name? Again, eh, that's good, that's nice if everybody else survives, but really, I just care about myself. So hopefully next year I've got something like that to talk about. But since I don't, this year we'll just go on to our feature, which is Elder Sign. So Elder Sign, as I said, is a game published by Fantasy Flight. It was released earlier this year, as a matter of fact, about a month ago. It was designed by Richard Lanius and Kelvin Wilson. Richard Lanius, as you might know, is also the designer of Arkham Horror. And this game is obviously closely related to Arkham Horror. It shares a lot of the artwork and the basic theme and mechanics of Arkham Horror there. A lot of the details have been changed up, but the basic overall goal is the same. Anyway, before I get into more detail about the rules, so what does the game bring? It's got a rule book, a clock that you use to keep track of time in the game. Every time the clock strikes midnight, something bad happens. You draw uh, an event card, usually bad. There is a library door card where you can have some take some basic actions. There is a deck of library cards, library room cards. Each room is basically a different location where you go to and tr to try and defeat that room by rolling dice. And I'll get into those details as I said later. There are some other world cards that you could you could potentially visit other world locations. There is a about 16 character cards and a number of Elder God cards. They look very similar to the, the ones in Arkham Horror. As a matter of fact, a lot of the characters are... I think all the characters are from Arkham Horror. If not from the base game, then from some of the expansions. But I, I, I recognize most of them. And there's uh, item cards, there's spells, unique items, equipment, and allies. Again, all stuff familiar from Arkham Horror. Let's see, there's some health counters. There's monsters. 
there's a bunch of elder sign counters which you use to fight the monster the the elder god basically and there's some clue tokens which unlike our Grimhara are actually little muddy boot prints they look really cool but it keeps confusing me because I'm used to the little magnifying glass icons and they're not magnifying glass in this game because magnifying glass means something else and then there are eight custom dice six green ones a yellow one and a red one the green ones have three sides have the magnifying glass which means investigation points and those are on three of the sides one is a one magnifying glass other ones a two value and the third one's a three there's a little skull icon a scroll and a terror icon some sort of tentacled monster the yellow die is a little better it has no tentacled monster and it has a fourth magnifying glass and the red one's better because instead of the tentacled monster it has a wild card character which you could use to represent any other symbol so those are the basic components the way you play the game is you set out the library with that main card and you set up six six rooms randomly let me tell you a little more about the locations now the library locations and the other world locations each location basically has a number of tasks you have to complete to defeat that location and the tasks consist of die combinations you have to get generally when you go to a location what you do is you'll roll the six green dice and for the room I'll tell you you have to get you know uh, we'll pick one room at random the something has been has broken free locations the description says the ancient stone had weighed tons and yet something had shattered it against the opposite wall of the gallery so in this location you have to get a skull icon and two terror icons two of the tentacled monsters but those are two separate tasks you have to do so you roll the six dice and in that role you either need the skull or the two tentacled icons if you get the skull let's say you set that die aside with that on the card and you roll the remaining dice again and hope to get the two tentacled monsters if you do you've successfully finished the location and you get the good stuff from the card in this case you get to play a, a monster on the in one of the rooms okay so that's not so good you get a clue token you get a spell and a unique item if you fail the roll, you can you then have to set one die aside and take discard it basically for the rest of your turn and roll the remaining dice and try and hope you get your two tentacle monsters. And you keep doing it each time you fail until you succeed or you run out of dice and you just can't succeed. In that case, you get the bad thing, which in in this location's uh, case is you lose one health. So that's the the way the game goes. It's sort of Yahtzee like, you know, you roll the dice, you're hoping for a good combination, and if you fail, you set a die aside, you keep rolling with your dice. Instead of having three rows, you keep rolling until you just don't have enough enough dice left. So potentially you get up to six rows total. And that's unlike Yahtzee where you always just have three rows total no matter what. So that's the basic thing at a location. There's things that can make it different. For example, when you fail the roll, you could set one of the dice aside on your character token, which is a little square cardboard shit that is about the size of a die and just has a picture of your character on it. 
So you set any one die on them if you want, and it's basically one of the uh, icons that you need to roll. For example, I need the two tentacled monsters. If I had only one of them, that wasn't enough to complete the task. I'd have to actually have both in the same row. So I could set one on my character, discard my die, another die, and then roll the remaining dice. Hoping for just one more tentacled monster. So that's one way to make it better. Another thing is if you have equipment or spells, unique items, the equipment generally lets you also roll the yellow die for that turn. The unique items let you roll the red die. And the spells often let you set aside extra dice and actually set them aside for future turns until you use them. So you could, if you get a really good face now and you don't need it, you could set it aside and save it for the next time you go to a different room, knowing you're going to use that there. So that's the gist of the game. Generally, you're trying to get Elder Signs. A lot of the, well, some of the rooms will give you Elder Signs if you succeed at that room. And depending on which Elder God you're fighting, you need a different number of Elder Signs. It could be, uh, Nealithotep needs 11. I think Ithakwa, who I played against last night, also needed 11. So it depends from monster to monster. That's another thing. The monster tokens that you could draw. Sometimes the events tell you to draw a monster, or sometimes if you fail or succeed at a certain location, you might have to draw a monster. You do that, and it gets placed on certain location cards that identify themselves as a place where a monster goes. And if there's none in the board, you just pick any card and put it on there. The monsters generally have symbols on them that you have to roll, just like in the other challenges, and you have to roll them to defeat that monster. For example... Here's Amigo. He needs two investigation points and either a skull or a diploma. So when you roll those, you could you make that your task to finish that. Now every time you defeat a, a location card or a monster, you get that card as a trophy, just like in Arkham Horror. And the way you could use trophies here is you could turn them in for unique items or spells or clue tokens or elder signs. Ten trophy points will get you one elder sign and the locations seem to be about one or two points each so you know it'd probably take you at least five if not more one of the things I forgot also the clue tokens you could use them up to roll all your dice for free so if you make a roll and it's really bad you could give up a clue token instead of getting one of the dice out and just roll again for free and hopefully this rolls better you know and if it doesn't work try it again just cut another clue token keep doing it as much as you want until you're out of clue tokens so that's basically what you can do in your turn. You're going to go to the location, try and roll and defeat that location, or fail. At the end of that turn, you move the clock forward three hours. And every time the clock's going around 12 hours, you draw one of the uh, a Mythos card. The Mythos cards generally tell you something bad's going to happen now, and something else bad will happen the next time the clock hits midnight. It's not always bad, but usually is. Things could be like something like, between all the investigators, two unique items have to be discarded or add a doom token to the doom track on the monster, on the elder god. But sometimes they're good, like uh, the next time the clock advances midnight, nothing happens. Wow, that's great. And so that's basically the game. Um, I've played it three times now. The first time was a six player game, and we lost. We were not even close, I think. The second. And third times I've played were both in solitaire. 
I won the second one. If I remember right, it wasn't. It didn't feel that challenging. The third one, my second solitaire game, ended up being a lot closer, and I lost in the end. And it definitely felt more tense. So that's the basic gameplay. You keep going to locations and fighting them, trying to defeat them to get more elder signs, either by defeating locations that give you elder signs or by defeating enough locations to buy elder signs. If you get enough elder signs to defeat the the elder god, the game's over. I think I keep calling them elder gods or great old ones and using those terms interchangeably. One is correct and I don't recall which, so just forgive me. Anyway, you keep doing it until you, you defeat him by getting enough uh, Elder Signs or until the Doom Track on that guy fills up and then he shows up and you have to fight him. And that's usually pretty hard. You, and you, Again, you're basically rolling Yahtzee dice trying to get a certain symbols, which aren't too many. For example, for Neander Thiltip, you need two Terror Icons. Every two Terror Icons hits him. Er, and by hitting him, you just... You have to do enough damage equal to the number of Elder Saiyans you had to get to stop him from showing up. That or the number of Doom Tokens on him, I don't remember. Either one. Anyway, so you do that and every time each player has gone around once and hit him, the, the creature attacks. And usually it's things like, you know, each player loses a clue token. If they don't have one to lose, they're dead. So it's kind of drastic. And, for example, the game I played yesterday, that's what, what I had to do. If I didn't have a clue token, I would die and I had to discard a clue token each turn, and I didn't have any. So I think it's fair to compare this to Arkham Horror. They're both very similar thematically and and uh, the same kind of goals. Mechanically, they just work differently. And the scope is a little different. In Arkham Horror, you're traveling around the entire city. In Elder Sign, you're just within the library. I like the idea of going around the city more, and I like the map of Arkham Horror, but the library locations in this game work okay. Oh, there's recently an interview on the Little Metal Dog Show, might be worth checking out, with Richard Lanius. It was the last episode earlier this month, and they talked to him, and he talks about Elder Signs, I mean, I think he also talked about Arkham Horror independently. Definitely worth checking out if you, if you like Arkham Horror or Elder Sign. So it's very obvious I want to draw the comparisons between two games, so I will go ahead and do that. I think I think overall I enjoy Arkham Horror better. It's a bigger game. It's a lot more detailed. You get to do more things. There's more variety in the way the game plays. But it's a bigger game, and it takes a lot longer to play. Arkham, I, I finished Elder Sign in about an hour last night, and it's probably about normal, I think, for a solitaire game. It's going to be hard for me to pull out Arkham Horror very often, but it's easy to get Elder Sign out and play it in an evening. So it definitely wins that way. So, so with that in mind, I think they're both good games. If I have a lot of time, I would do- I like to play Arkham Horror. If I'm more limited, I'm more than happy to play Elder Sign. Now what I found as I played Elder Sign is I would end up going to the library door where you could... Uh, one of the actions you could do, and I forgot to mention before, is you roll a die, and if you get one of the three... Uh, magnifying glass sides you gotta either you gotta take a damage either sanity or health if you get one of the other three sides you can get an item card or depending you could get a, a spell no I'm sorry you could get a clue token a common item or a unique item those two will basically give you more dice to roll either the red or the yellow so I found I kept going back there to get a card and then go to the different locations to fight 
and the character I had made that work really well because I could choose which which card I wanted, and I always know the one is uh, the yellow die, and the other one type is a yellow card die, the other type is a red die. So go get one of each, and then go to location, just really easily defeat most locations. It ended up feeling a little bit dry that way. Again, I think that was the character I had. If I played with a different character, the the game flow would have been slightly different. And even though it ended up making the game feel kind of easy, I still lost. So I do have one rant, and that when you look at the game credits, one of the producers is Adam Sadler. When you look at the playtesters, one of the playtesters is also Adam Sadler. You know, Fantasy Flight is a big company. It doesn't make sense to me that one of the producers is also going to be playtesting the game. You know, I'm a programmer, and I know that generally I don't want to be—I shouldn't be the person looking for bugs in anything I've done because I tend to miss stuff that other people would catch. Um, so I'm really surprised that he's playtesting it himself, and I do wonder if that adds to the fact that it feels a little drier than it should sometimes. Who knows? So, so there you go. In the end, I do think it's a it's a good game, and it is something that'll get played more. So if you do find it interesting, it retails for thirty four ninety five. Got plenty of time to go to your friendly local game store and buy it before Halloween. Enjoy. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you would like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected by a Creative Commons license. The song and copyright information can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published in a Creative Commons, non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening. <laughs>